Welcome to season two of Sorting Pen, the California Cattlemen's podcast. Every day, the California Cattlemen's Association is sorting through the issues impacting California's ranching families and producers. To communicate those issues, discuss solutions, and keep ranchers current on the hot topics, CCA leadership developed this podcast. All right, well, welcome back to another episode of Sorting Pen. Today we are here in Houston. We are at Thursday of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association Convention and Trade Show. We've had a lot of meetings, and today I'm happy to sit down with Hannah from the Animal Ag Alliance, who's going to tell us more about what the Alliance does for producers and the industry as a whole. So welcome, Hannah. Thanks, Katie. Glad to be here. How's your week been going? It's been going well. I'm enjoying the warmer temperature uh, for us on the East Coast. It's been a pretty rough winter, so it's been nice to not have to lug my coat around. In addition to just catching up with all the beef community, I wasn't able to come to NCBA last year. So catching up with everyone and, and walking the show and seeing all of our members has been great. I'm excited to chat with you and just give our producers some more background on the great work that you and your team do every day on their behalf and the industry as a whole. So for those of you who aren't aware with the Animal Ag Alliance, I'm going to let Hannah tell you a little bit about her role and what she does and then just kind of what the alliance does in general. The Animal Agriculture Alliance is a nonprofit organization, and our mission is to safeguard the future of animal agriculture and its value to society by bridging the communication gap between farm and food communities. So if you've ever seen on social media or in the media or even a comment from a friend or family member about animal agriculture that's just wrong and inaccurate, uh, that's why we're here. We're here to help clear up those myths and misconceptions and make sure that folks have access to accurate, balanced information about animal agriculture as they're making their food purchasing decisions. All of our work falls into the areas of connect, engage, and protect. The connect part of our mission is to bring together everyone with a vested interest in animal agriculture. So as a nonprofit, we are funded by members, sponsors, and donors, including uh, the great folks at California Cattle and several other California organizations that are involved. Uh, And we have around 400 of those members, sponsors, and donors from all across the animal agriculture community. So we have everything from beef, pork, chicken, turkey, dairy, eggs, all the way to aquaculture among our membership. We also have support from the crop side, primarily corn and soy, because of course animal feed is such an important market for their commodities. We also have everything from organizations, so checkoffs, trade associations, commodity groups at the state and national level, and then companies, animal health, nutrition, genetics, processors, integrators, even some restaurant retail. So again, everyone who is part of the animal agriculture chain in one way or another, we have among our memberships so we can hear about their issues and figure out how we can all collaborate for the better of animal agriculture as a whole. The engage part of our mission is when we reach outside of the barnyard to connect with key influencers. And being a small team and a nonprofit organization, we're always trying to maximize our resources. So we describe our communication strategy as influencing the influencers. We're not going after the end consumer. That's a very difficult audience to reach, an expensive audience to reach. They're always being hit with a lot of marketing and other messaging. So instead, we say we're trying to reach those influencers, so people that are influential within their communities, whether that's online or in person or through their profession, on what people hear and think about food and farming. So for us, those audiences are restaurant, retail, and food service brands, as they are making a lot of policies that impact animal agriculture. 
the media, so mainstream and trade media, as they cover issues related to animal agriculture, and then dietitians, as they're getting a lot of questions, not only is this good for me, but was it good for the planet, and how was the animal raised? So making sure they have access to information to accurately answer those types of questions. Our primary issue when we got started back in 1987 was animal welfare and as part of that responsible antibiotic use and that uh, remains an important part of our work but I would say these days we spend just as much if not more time in the sustainability arena. So what's the environmental impact of animal agriculture and I'm sure the beef community knows more than any uh, or just as much as dairy uh, and others uh, that that conversation is heating up. Yeah. So the impact of animal agriculture on sustainability and the climate and that conversation tends to also pull in the nutrition angle because it calls for eliminating, swapping out uh, meat, poultry, dairy, and eggs from your diet. So we're spending a lot of time in that space as well. And then lastly, and very unique to the Alliance is PROTECT, and that is our monitoring of animal rights and other extremist organizations. So unfortunately, there are groups and individuals out there who just don't believe there's any way to ethically and responsibly use animals, including for food, and they invest a lot of time, a lot of resource in encouraging others to align with that mindset. So a lot of the myths and misinformation we see out there are being driven by those extremist organizations um, trying to push everyone towards veganism and trying to take meat, poultry, dairy, and eggs off of our plates. So we do a lot of monitoring of those types of organizations uh, and have resources for the farm and ranch community of how to protect yourself, uh, what to do if you are targeted, so that we can try to mitigate the influence of animal rights extremism. We're based in Arlington, Virginia, so right in the D.C. area, and we do cover the entire U.S. My role specifically is vice president of strategic engagement, so a lot of that external work I talked about to reach outside of the animal ag community and connect with key stakeholders is what I lead as well as overseeing all of our communications strategy. As far as what you guys do in the animal activism arena, let's talk a little bit about some of the trends you have seen. Well, certainly, and as we were chatting about previously, you know, the silver lining is that I've gotten to meet a lot of great folks in California and gotten to make some trips out there to do a lot of security trainings. But that's the unfortunate uh, result of the fact that California really is a hotbed for animal rights extremist activity. And again, some of the most extreme activity that we see comes out of California. We have organizations out there that are holding conferences and busing hundreds of activists to farms, ranches, and plants to hold these day-long protests. And that's really a doomsday scenario when it comes yeah. to activism, but it's been reality for a handful of producers, particularly in California. Uh, the Bay Area in particular is really a, an epicenter for uh, direct action everywhere, which is one of the most extreme activist groups that we track. And they're very active throughout California, targeting animal agriculture in general. But lately, they've really been honing in on the beef community, uh, really trying to tie into the conversation on climate. So they've been trying to do a lot, again, to call on the governor to enact a moratorium on factory farms, as they yeah. say, factory farms and slaughterhouses as kind of a gateway to ban animal agriculture in general in the state of California. Uh, so there is a lot, a lot of activist activity, unfortunately, going on there. But the benefit of that is that we have gotten a lot more connected with the California animal ag community over the past few years, and the 
California animal ag community itself is very connected and collaborative as we address these issues. So when it comes to thinking about activism in the time of COVID-19 and the pandemic, a lot of people maybe thought, well, if they can't travel and they can't gather, that's going to stop them. That's going to slow things down. And, you know, maybe they'll they'll leave us alone for a while. And unfortunately, that was not the reality. We saw, uh, you know, an uptick actually in protests and activist activity because uh, a lot of the activists were maybe not going to any regular job that they actually had. They had more time to dedicate to activism. They did a lot of traveling to target other areas during the pandemic. So Iowa uh, really dealt with a lot of activist activity during the pandemic. Virginia, they had a group travel there and spend about a week targeting a uh, pork production company in Virginia. Um, But also throughout California, we continued to see a lot of protests, a lot of disruptions, uh, a lot of, again, really aggressive activities from these organizations. And we also saw an uptick in online activism. So a lot of us took things virtual. Uh, You know, we spent a lot of time on Zoom and looking at a screen. Well, so did the activist organizations. So not only did they take their conferences virtual, but we saw the launch of a new website, an offshoot of Direct Action Everywhere called Project Counterglow, where they used publicly available information, things like subsidy databases, things like Google satellite imaging to map the locations of tens of thousands of farms and other facilities involving animals across the country. Uh, And they, you know, pinpointed any information they thought they could dig up uh, on those operations. There was also a quote unquote paper trail forum where activists were supposed to, uh, you know, look into those farms and see what they could find. Uh, And that did lead to a few social posts where they went pretty deep, you know, online, uh, anything they could dig up Uh, on one example was a dairy in California uh, and, you know, drone footage and anything else that they could, uh, again, find and try to tie to different operations through that Project Counterglow website as just one example uh, of increased online activism, as well as the social media attacks. Uh, So if you run a farm or ranch page, you've probably gotten at least one negative comment. And we saw a lot of that during the pandemic. And, you know, make no mistake, that is not uh, coincidental. They actually have Facebook groups where they will say, on this day, we're all going to go to this page and post these type of comments. And we saw a lot of that during the pandemic as well. As we're moving kind of out of the pandemic back to a little bit more normal, we're gathering. What are you seeing? Are things slowing down online? Are people going back to in-person gatherings? Are they having these large conferences? What are they up to in 2022? So Direct Action Everywhere did hold its uh, Animal Liberation Conference in September. And one of the biggest takeaways that we're trying to draw attention to from that conference was their employment of what's called the sleeping dragon protest technique. And it's not the first time they've used it. It's the first time they've used it to target really animal agriculture. Uh, You might have seen in California some of the headlines of racetracks where they've attempted to disrupt horse racing uh, by using the sleeping dragon technique. And what it is uh, that they, it's something they're learning from other protest movements like Occupy movements and some of the climate related movements, pipeline type protests where they will chain themselves together using these sleeping dragon devices, which the most rudimentary type one is like a PVC pipe. And then they are chained together within the PVC pipe. And the whole idea is to make themselves more difficult 
difficult to remove. So in September, at a poultry processing plant in California, um, they attempted to disrupt the operations of the plant. They very brazenly in a press release admitted that their goal was disrupting the supply chain, which after the past year and a half of disruptions to the supply chain is, again, just really brazen that they would come out and say that's what they're trying to do is make it so consumers can't buy chicken um, when they're going to the grocery store or make it more expensive for them to do that. Uh, you know, I think it's great when they come out and admit that because, you know, we can point to that and say, look, this isn't about exposing anything that they think is going on. It's not about, um, you know, helping animals. They're admitting that they want to disrupt the supply chain and drive up costs for people who are trying to get affordable protein, which is obviously problematic in a lot of different ways. So uh, regardless, at this protest, they rented a U-Haul and they parked it in front of the plant and they had themselves chained on top of the U-Haul truck uh, and in front of it using these sleeping dragon devices as well as tubs of concrete that they had poured and chained themselves into. So again, it's all about making themselves more difficult for law enforcement to remove them. So hopefully in their eyes, they would disrupt the operations of this plant. Law enforcement has to have specialized training to remove these type of devices because obviously they don't want to injure anyone. And luckily, law enforcement in California, this county that was targeted, they had had the training they needed uh, in order to do that. Um, So they were able to remove them, but they still were there for, uh, I think, going on seven hours. But imagine if that happened in a more rural area. Imagine if that happened in a different state where I think in California it might be mandated that, that law enforcement has to get this training. But in other states, it's probably Probably not. So that's that's what we're concerned about going into 2022 is that they're going to learn from that uh, disruption in last fall and try to employ that tactic to, quote unquote, shut down other plants. So we're really following that and trying to spread the word. And then the other thing we're watching in California or in, in 2022 and in California is trials. So Direct Action Everywhere activists uh, have been very active from over the past five or seven years with trespassing stealing animals. Again, they're very brazen. They admit to what they're doing, but they don't usually face legal consequences for it. And finally, there are some trials that are starting to take place stemming from some of those incidents. The first trial was held and concluded in December in North Carolina, where DXC's co-founder was found guilty on two felonies for stealing a goat back in 2018. Uh, And there are additional trials coming up, including two in California, one in Sonoma County. Uh, Sonoma County has dealt with a lot of these type of incidents. Uh, So there are some uh, charges or some trials expected to finally be held this year in Sonoma County. And then I believe Merced County is the other county in California. Direct Action Everywhere has said that for 2022, they don't plan to hold one large animal liberation conference. They're planning to hold smaller, more regional type gatherings being held around these trials so they can support the activists that are on trial, as well as do different protests and vigils in the area. So that's something to be aware of is potentially more regionalized, localized type gatherings versus, you know, one large group coming together. We do think we're going to see continued persisted efforts to disrupt, to shut down plants and processing. We've also seen a lot of targeting of transport. So if they can follow a truck from place to place, try to stop a truck, they've tried to you know, ask drivers to let them take an animal off of a truck. Uh, so those are, are also things to be aware of. They're very creative in their tactics. 
Well, and that's what we have to understand exactly, you know, what we're dealing with here, because these are very aggressive uh, individuals. And also, I think it's important to understand that the animal rights movement is not a, you know, grassroots collective of passionate people, uh, you know, fighting for something they believe in. It is a very well-funded and very strategic movement. The Alliance has group profiles on around 200 different organizations that are targeting animal agriculture in one way or another. And some of them are very upfront in saying they want animal liberation, they want to end animal agriculture. Others are uh, a little bit more moderate in their public-facing statements as a way to try to be taken more seriously and get into the boardroom and the courtroom and wherever they're trying to have an influence. But they're all, uh, in some way or another, uh, very connected and very collaborative. So that's something that the animal ag community needs to be aware of because I think it's easy to dismiss activism and say, well, that's just a few very extreme people and we don't need to be concerned about that. And certainly, again, they do not speak for the majority. They do not speak for most of our consumers. So we don't need to spend all of our time focusing on dealing with them. But we do need to be prepared and we do need to take it seriously uh, so that if we do find ourselves facing issues where we are ready and we can try to mitigate, again, their ability to influence what we're doing. As far as these tactics, we're not trying to scare you today. We're not trying to be doom and gloom. But the good news on all of this is that Hannah and the Ag Alliance team and the California Cattlemen's are here to help if you do face some of these issues. If you do have someone show up at your dairy or your ranch or they're outside your fence having a candlelight vigil on Facebook Live, we are here to help. What are some of the ways producers can handle that and what's the Alliance tips on mitigating that? Well, I think the most, the first thing you can do is awareness. So just listening to this podcast is a great start. Uh, you know, going to the Alliance website and checking out some of our publicly available information. And then, of course, California Cattlemen's is a member. So certainly connect with the team there if you'd really like to dive into this more deeply. But just be aware of what's happened to other farmers and ranchers in your area. Know what potentially could be an issue uh, and just think about how you would prepare for it. In crisis planning, you, you want to think through those nightmare scenarios because you'd much rather do that when it's kind of calm and not when they're showing up outside of your property. So think through what others have dealt with and how you would handle it. And one of our big recommendations is to proactively connect with law enforcement. So whatever local law enforcement agency oversees your farm, your ranch, your property, make sure they're aware of what's happened in other areas. A lot of these incidents, uh, really the outcome is very different based on how local law enforcement reacts and the way they react can sometimes be dependent on how prepared they are for what's going to happen. Because if you are, you know, a local rural sheriff's department, you maybe have never dealt with a large scale <laughs> protest or something like that. So just having a proactive conversation with them and saying, hey, here's some headlines, here's some news coverage of what other farms and ranches have dealt with. How can I be prepared? Who should I call? What do you recommend that I do? And just make sure that they know about the potential for this type of issue as well. And they can help you as best they can to get prepared. We also have, again, a wealth of resources on this. And if you do feel you might be targeted or are particularly concerned, would be more than happy to visit with you uh, and make sure you know uh, the rest of our recommendations. But the most important thing is, again, just preparedness, think through um, what others have dealt with. And then also, if you do encounter any type of activism or protest in California, I know they've had individuals show up at county fairs and expos and where youth Rodeo. are showing. Yes, which can add another you know level of uh, emotional reaction when your kids are, are trying to show at the fair and they're having to deal with this. 
But the name of the game, the most important thing is do not allow there to be a confrontation. I, I guarantee you, you're being filmed, you're being live streamed. They want you to lose your cool, lose your temper, and they are going to use that to negatively depict the animal agriculture community. You do not need to talk with them. They will try to engage with you, try to ask you a bunch of questions, get you drawn into a back and forth, but they're not actually looking for information. This is not the general consumer. This is, again, a very, very small percentage of the population that we're dealing with here. They do not speak for the general grocery shopper. They, they are never going to eat beef or support the animal agriculture community. So there's no need for us to engage with them. Uh, the only thing you ever need to say if you do encounter some type of issue and they're trespassing is informing them that they're trespassing. Otherwise, allow any type of interaction. Leave that to security. If it's an event with security, leave it to law enforcement. Uh, because again, there is nothing to be gained by trying to engage with them. They're just going to try to get you to lose your cool, get frustrated, get angry, and they're going to try to use that against you in the end. Uh, the other thing I want to emphasize that you mentioned, Katie, is that these, again, are not your, your general consumer. And uh, I, I know that message some people can hear when I speak and I, you know, talk half an hour about yeah. all the crazy stuff that's happening. But then I say, get out there and engage. They can say, well, heck no. You just told me about what can happen and I don't want that to happen to me. If you are in animal agriculture in one way or another, you can and potentially will be a target. Uh, so stepping out and engaging and putting a face on the community and being on social media and hosting tours, that is not something you should shy away from because of these type of concerns. The message isn't that you shouldn't do it. The message is to absolutely do it. Just take some steps to be prepared and protect yourself if an issue does arise, because that's what these groups want. They want you to feel intimidated. They want you to feel like you can't be out there publicly supporting animal agriculture so they can own the space and they can be the only voice that people are hearing. So we can't let them, uh, you know, have that opportunity. We can't let them own the space and be the loudest voice that people are hearing. We need to be there. It's actually more important that we're there based on all of this uh, than that we shy away from those type of conversations. There's people every day that we come in contact with that have no idea either what you do on your ranch or, or in agriculture in general, how their food gets from the field to the grocery store. What are some of your tips for anyone who does have social media and they've woken up to activism all over their page. Well, similar to if you encounter some type of, uh, or similar to preparing for activism in person, it's about being proactive. So not waiting for the issue to arise, but knowing that it might and taking steps to mitigate that. So having a comment policy that you post on your page that says, this is the kind of thing that we encourage and allow. This is the kind of thing that will block and delete. So anything harassment, anything vulgar, spamming your page with repeated the same comments, that should be, you know, immediate ban, immediate delete get that off your page. It is your social presence and it's up to you to manage it the way you want to manage it. Sometimes again, we fall into, well, I want to be transparent. So yeah. I want to allow everything, but it's just not productive and it's not, you know, what you're trying to do. Uh, so have that comment policy posted out there so you can reference it. If anyone ever says, well, why'd my comment get deleted? It, you know, it was harassment or it was vulgar or, you know, whatever it might be, you can point to that policy. We also recommend if you're running a page, uh, collaborating with a few 
few other shared peers and making one another admins on your respective pages because sometimes when these things do happen and your page kind of blows up, it's way too much for one person to stay on top of. And if you can get some help doing that, it's a lot easier to just call on them if they're already set up as an admin than trying to get them added later on. Uh, if you do encounter this type of negativity, you might want to think about taking your comments down for a while, you're making it so people can't comment, making it so people can't review uh, until things kind of calm down and people move on. But you should absolutely feel empowered to block, delete, um, you remove those comments from those extreme voices from your page. Now that does not mean if you get a genuine question uh, and you know even sometimes questions can make us feel a little defensive because sure. we're so used to that overwhelming negativity, but someone can have certainly a genuine question about um, beef's impact on the environment or how are animals cared for on feedlots or how are antibiotics used in beef production. Uh, and we need to be able to answer those comfortably. So, you know, if the question seems like it's coming from a genuine place, definitely answer it. And just remember, it's not just that person, that's the audience, it's everyone else that's reading it. So make sure you're answering it, um, you know, not in a condescending way, not in a way that you're saying you're frustrated, they're asking, you know, appreciate it. The fact they're asking you instead of hopping over to Google or asking other um, potentially different perspectives uh, is really valuable. So celebrate those questions and make sure you're answering the genuine questions, but don't feel like you have to respond to or shouldn't respond to the negativity or even let it stay on your page. And we have a program that Katie has actually participated in and several other folks from California called Animal Ag Allies. So if you're really interested in this and engaging online and talking to media and working on these issues, we launched this program uh, back in 2020 and it's about helping farmers, ranchers, uh, practicing veterinarians and industry professionals really be active role, take an active role in these conversations. And especially farmers, ranchers, you have the boots on the ground perspective. Your perspective is so valuable. So we wanna make sure that you're comfortable having these kind of conversations. So the Allies program involves five self-paced online modules. You get access to different resources, how to have contentious conversations, how to grow your following. And then once you complete them, you get to join a private networking group with other uh, folks who've done the program. We have about 120-ish that have participated since we started where you can collaborate, again, ask questions, get resources. And we hold regular ongoing webinars for that group as well to make sure we're keeping them up to date. So again, the program is Animal Ag Allies. If you visit our website, Animal Ag agalliance.org. You can find more information. We have signups throughout the year uh, and would love to have even more folks from California, particularly the beef community, get involved. I constantly am referring to the resources I got from that program. So like Hannah said, if you have any interest in that program or any of the resources that their team can provide you, feel free to reach out to me or Hannah and we can connect you as best. Hannah, I know there's so much more that the Alliance does. Any final comments, Hannah? Just please do get in touch with us, animalagalliance.org. Uh, you can sign up for our public newsletter, and we have a conference coming up in Kansas City in May, our Stakeholder Summit. There's also a virtual option if you can't make the trip to join us. So again, if you're really interested in these issues, influencer engagement, issues management, farm security, please do check out the summit, uh, stay involved with us, uh, follow our newsletter, and just let us know how we can help you because that's why we're here is to support you uh, and let you focus on the really important role that you have in raising animals, keeping them healthy, and getting them to the end consumer as the meat, poultry, dairy, and eggs that most of them enjoy. And we're here to support you as you do that. So please let us know how we can. I'll be sure to link the Ag Alliance website and Hannah's information on the description of this episode and where we host this podcast. Hannah, thanks again so much for all you do for California and ag in general. It's been great to catch up with you and see you in person. 
And thank you all for listening. 